Good morning. How are you? Good? You're looking good. And I noticed this morning we have a few kiddos in church. That's because in just a few minutes we're going to be dismissing for kids' church. And we're going to do that. Uh, before we do, before we dismiss them, and if I forget, you know, Pastor Paul's just a tad ADD. So if I start preaching away and kids are still here, someone just holler, and uh, I'll try to remember to dismiss them. So this morning, we're going to take just a few moments uh, to have a baby dedication. Uh, Greg and Rachel uh, called this week and asked if they could, uh, they've actually been calling like 10 times a week, and they're like, Pastor Paul, come, no, not really. They are anxious to get this baby dedicated, and they have family here this weekend, and little Emma Ray, uh, Lum was born in June, correct, and um, June 8th to be exact, and you need to know this morning, uh, for those of you who know the Lums a little bit better, uh, that she truly, every baby is a gift to God, but this is especially a gift to God, because when you as a young couple struggle to get pregnant and to carry a pregnancy through to term is, is a very hard road, and, and Greg and Rachel have gone through that. So I had a young family up in Ohio um, that I had to do a funeral for, for one of their babies that passed, and I can't tell you the joy in my heart when I went back to visit and I got to hold their little baby that was born sometime later. God knows our heart, and this morning we're talking about troubles and uh, the thing I love about Greg and Rachel is they've jumped into the church and they're lovers of Jesus. And they keep following him and loving him with their hearts. So baby dedication, just so you're aware, because um, we all come from different uh, backgrounds and, and churches and denominations. Uh, there's nothing magical this morning about baby dedication. Doesn't do a whole lot for Emma. She's not going to remember this. Uh, we don't believe that baptizing a baby uh, saves them. We don't believe that. We do believe that at some point, she's covered by grace this morning. The grace of Jesus, she is his little lamb. And then someday, when she is able to understand the gospel, when she's able to understand that she's a sinner and that Jesus died for her, that age of accountability, she'll have to make that choice for herself to choose Jesus. This morning really is about mom and dad. Mom and dad honoring God with this gift that he's given to them and to these grandparents and family that are here today. And their way of standing before the congregation and making a commitment, they're giving this child to Jesus and they're going to raise her in the way that honors God. I'm going to ask you guys to come on up with Emma, if you will. I want you to come up here so everyone in Facebook land and YouTube land can see her. Now, I'm going to put on a mask this morning. I know you guys don't care, but I do. Uh, I don't want to, and I'll see if you can hear me. You can still hear me with my mic on, right? Um, the greatest fear that we have as staff is we don't want to give a bug to an older person, and I definitely don't want to give a bug to Emma. And, um, but we are thrilled this morning that she is here. So... Let me address you two first, okay? Rachel and Greg, you have brought Emma, whom God has given to you to be dedicated to God and to his service. By this act, you testify to your faith in the Christian religion and also your desire that Emma 
shall receive the benefits of consecration to God and to the prayers of the church and may early learn to know and follow the will of God and therefore may live a Christian life. So in order for this to happen, it will be your duty as parents to teach Emma early the fear of the Lord and to watch over her education that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines and to direct her mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and the authority of God for all people and to direct her feet to the sanctuary and to church to restrain her from evil associates and habits and as much as you are able to bring her up in the Lord's discipline and his instruction. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? And if you will, answer, we will. Modeling the love of God cannot be done alone. It requires the help and the support of the church. Parents have the first responsibility, but parents need the help of close friends and family and the church. As believers this morning, I want to speak to you as the church and congregation and family and friends. We have a responsibility to teach the gospel to a younger generation. Will you this morning, Pickens View uh, Church family, commit to help Greg and Rachel in the task of raising Emma and the next generation of God's church? If you will answer, we will. You can do better than that. Answer, we will. Amen. Matthew 10, 13 through 16 says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have them touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. I meant to spray my hands before I started, but we'll just do that now while I'm talking to you. So Greg and Rachel, there's a few things I wanted to say to you this morning as parents. First of all, little Emma has already begun, and she is always watching you. She's trying to figure out why you guys do what you do, She's trying to figure out everything she learns in life is from you. She's already trying to figure out how to get your attention, right? They lay me in this bed, and I don't want to go to sleep. I'll just cry. They'll come back. Suckers, right? She knows how to get your attention because she craves your attention. She longs for your care, and she wants your love this morning. Listen, she's watching you. And you're her example in everything. She's going to watch Daddy when he's in the mirror shaving and mowing the lawn and Mom when she's cooking. Whatever you're doing, he's watching. she's going to be watching you and see how you respond to people in the store. She learns everything in life from you. And actually, she learns about Jesus from you. When she gets big enough and starts in Sunday school and children, oh, mask she might learn a hundred different Bible stories, but none of that will be as real as to how you live for Jesus. If you show her going to church is important, then Emma's going to know going to church is important. If you tithe and give, to the, give God his offering, she's going to know that that's important. I just want to encourage you today 
that um, Emma, her faith in God will be most influenced by you. And I've, I've had the privilege in the last year or so to teach a parenting class uh, here at church. It was a secular parenting class, but this is the one thing I learned. And we, we, we give up hope. We think that our kids are at school all day and teachers have the most influence and all these people have the most influence, but I'm here to tell you the truth. No one has more influence over her life than you do. Children are created to want to please their parents, and she'll get your attention any way she can. If you're not giving her the love and attention, she'll be bad, because when you yell at her, that's still attention. Listen, she needs you, and you will always have the most influence over her life, so don't let anyone kid you. So this morning, I'm just going to put my hand, you want me to hold her? I am a... Oh, sweetie, Petey. Oh, I know. Shh, shh, shh. I'm sorry. We're going to do this quick, okay? And then I'll give you back and pray for you, okay? Emma Raylum, on behalf of your parents and our church, I dedicate you to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, who was that guy, Mommy? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we do present little Emma to you. You have known her from the day she was being created. God, you have a plan for her life today. And Jesus, I want to ask you to put your hands upon her, guide her, and lead every step of her life. Protect her. And one day, Lord, I pray that she will come to understand the gospel and she will give her heart to Jesus. And God, I want to pray for Greg and Rachel. We love them as part of our church. I'm glad that uh, their parents are here today and family is here with them because they're going to need their support as they go through this. They don't need to be told how to raise little Emma. They just need love and support. God, today I'm asking for Rachel and Greg to have the grace and the strength to do what they need to do all through Emma's life. And God, none of us know what we're doing when we start So God, help them to relax. Help them to know that you will help them. And the greatest thing that they can do is love her and guide her and teach her the way. So God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we were able to have Emma in church for the first time today. God, bless the Lums. And God, we trust you to work in their lives today. Thank you for bringing them through very tough time and blessing them in such a wonderful way today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now, I didn't want to give you one of those little Old Testaments that are King James that you pack away and she never uses, so when she gets big enough, there's pictures, and Pastor Paul being the kid's pastor for many years, pictures are good. And I love it because that Bible has the story of Jesus at the end, and this is a uh, certificate of her dedication. So I did get you another little gift. It's a picture frame. Pastor Sherry or anyone, did someone take pictures today? Thank you, up there in the crow's nest. So if you guys take some pictures as well today, but I have a picture frame, and we'll uh, put our dedication uh, picture in there. Let's congratulate them this morning. Awesome, awesome. So the time the kids have been waiting for, 
I'm going to ask you if, if the kids are sitting on the ends, they can go out the ends or down through the middle. They're going to meet their teachers in the hallway. Miss Debbie, you're the head chief of the elementary, so we're going to let you head out towards the middle. Your teachers are waiting out in the hall, and I'm going to give your parents some instruction here in just a minute. Michelle, will you remind Miss Kay to bring them across the stage when she exits after church? So parents, when you pick up your children, this is how it works today. Um, just keep in mind, uh, children's church is for preschool and elementary up to fifth grade, and the preschool starts at age two. So when you leave today to pick up your children, you're going to uh, wait till you're dismissed, and the ushers are going to start from the back. If you're sitting on the edge of the pews, you exit that way. If you're in the center, they'll exit you this way. Go ahead and leave the church. We don't want anyone walking down the hallways where we're closer than six feet. You're going to exit out the back door, off the porch, and then just take a left, come over by the carport, and follow the sidewalk. There's a glass door right up here near the children's chapel. And uh, your preschoolers will be over there and your elementary kids. Show them your security tag, and uh, we will let you take your kids home. What a blessing right? You will be happy. I, don't, I haven't trained Pastor Landon completely yet, but uh, Pastor Paul usually sends him home with about two pounds of sugar, and uh, I have to teach him the way. So you might be good this morning. It's good to have you in worship. Um, I'm glad you're back with us this week as we continue in our series on how to handle life's problems. So um, each week, each Sunday, we're going to be looking at God's solutions for our life problems. And those apply to the ones that you're going through even right now. So I want you to find your message uh, notes. They should be on the pews. And some of you where there's like the SWU students, do you all have one? Okay, so you all have been digging and finding them already. So they should be on the ends of your pews. And I want you to have those handy as we begin this morning. <clears throat> so as we start, we're going to read again together our key verse uh, for this series. This verse from Deuteronomy is a reminder that God uh, is always with us and that we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to cower in the face of our problems. It's on the screen and it's on your uh, message notes. Let's read this together from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the key point in the theme verse for our entire series. When you face problems, if you will trust God, if you will lean into God like we talked about last week, not turn from God, not run away from God, He will help you be strong and courageous. And the reason that we can be strong and courageous is because of the promise that is in this Verse, it says that God will always go with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. This morning, the important part of this process of being able to learn to trust God and to be strong and to be courageous when you're facing problems is perspective. And that's what we're talking about this morning. How to keep my problems in perspective. So we have to understand this morning that perspective is important because problems are exaggerators. 
right? Problems tend to cause stress, and they tend to cloud our judgment. They make everything seem worse than it really is. I want to suggest to you this morning, and we're going to talk a lot about it, suggest to you that problems put you in a fog that makes it hard to see and that can cause you, while you're in that fog, to make some really poor decisions. In fact, the military has actually given a name to this phenomenon, and it's called the fog of war. It refers to when they're in battle and they can't see the whole picture or a full picture. They don't know exactly where the enemy is or how many of them there are or what kind of weapons they have. They don't have a clear picture. And when they're in their fog, it causes them to make poor decisions. There's a great example of this idea of fog of war that comes right from Scripture. It's the story of Gideon that we find in the, New Test- or in the Old Testament. You see, Gideon only had 300 Israelite soldiers. He had a lot more to start with, but God kept whittling them down in the story. And he said, just 300. And he was going against 135,000 Midianites. So God told Gideon to take his 300 men in the middle of the night and to surround the larger army of 135,000. The Israelite soldiers had torches underneath clay jars, and at the right time, all together, they blew their horns, and they, and they busted the jars, and the torches lit up the night sky all around the army. And the Midianites, when they woke up, they thought they were surrounded by a much larger army. They were confused. They were in the fog of war. They didn't know who the enemy was, how many they were, or where they were. The Bible says that the Lord caused them the men throughout the camp, to turn on each other with their swords. They were in the fog of war. When they're in the fog of war, you don't have the right perspective, and you don't make the best decision. Listen, the same is true for us when we face a problem in our life. When you're facing a problem, often you're overwhelmed, you're feeling stressed, you are in... A fog. It's not the fog of war. So for our sake this morning, we're just going to call it the fog of problems. And when you're in the fog of problems, it's hard to see things like they really are. It's hard to know what's true. Listen, it's easy when you're facing problems and you're in this fog to panic and make the wrong decision. And I've done that many times. The point is, no matter how smart you are, no matter how spiritually mature you are, it's hard for anyone to see clearly when they're in the middle of the fog of their problems. Like I mentioned last week, this is a dangerous place to be. Stinking thinking, remember? Wrong thoughts cause you to make wrong actions. And that's what happens in the fog of your problems. What was a, from a scale to one to 10, what was a level three problem in the fog You make a poor decision, and now it's a level 10 problem, right? Things are always worse in the fog. The point is, when you're in the fog, everything seems overwhelming. You ever have one of those days? Things just get a little worse and a little worse, and pretty soon at home, everything is an issue, right? It's overwhelming. Each week, uh, each Sunday, last week it was we talked about all the things not to do. Today begins the week's 
uh, different things that we need to do. So each week we're going to look at a biblical truth that will be a key to helping you standing, to stand strong and courageous in the face of your problems. But here's the, here's the bottom line. It only works if you learn what I'm teaching you and you apply it, right? I'm just not flapping my lips up here because I love to do it. These keys will help you grow stronger and courageous in the face of problems if you will apply them. So the key this morning, it's on the front of your notes there, the key for keeping your problems in perspective and in not allowing this fog of problems to discourage and confuse you, the key is to see my problems from God's perspective. See my problems from God's perspective. You see, when you're facing a problem, whether it's a, a problem at your job or in your career or a problem in your marriage, maybe it's a problem dealing with money or a health crisis or a relationship problem, whatever the problem might be, might be this morning, Whenever you're facing a problem, and when you're in this fog and you can't see clearly, have you ever been in a car in the fog where you, really, you can't even see past the windshield wiper, right? You're blinded. But God is not. When we are in the fog of our problems, we are blinded, but God is not. God can see above the fog. He sees your problem as it really is, not the distorted view that you see. To you, your problem seems so big and so impossible, but from God's perspective, he already knows the way through. He knows the path that leads to a great future. Scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's a positive thing. God knows what's ahead. You just can't see it clearly because you're in the fog. When we see our problems from God's perspective, something happens in our relationship with him. We begin to have a greater sense of his purpose in our life, of his peace and his power, because we're growing closer to him as we trust him. So how do we do this? I want you to open your notes inside. We're going to look at four steps to help lift you above the fog and allow you to see your problems from God's perspective. The first way that we do that this morning is see my problems as part of life's journey. See my problems as part of life's journey. We kind of touched on this a little bit last week. Everyone faces problems. No one gets a get-out-of-problems-free card like Monopoly, right? Everyone has problems. Jesus tells us in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the myths that people believe. And the very first one was that if you follow Jesus, life will be problem-free. It's just not true. When you're facing problems and you're in the fog and it's hard to clearly see, if you believe that first myth that Life should be problem-free. It's not going to go good for you. It's not going to go well. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to think life isn't fair. You're going to begin to think that God has abandoned me and forgotten about me. You're going to start blaming yourself. Did I, did I do something wrong? Was I not spiritual enough? Confusion sets in. Disillusionment sets in. And last week we talked about if 
you think God's not supposed to give you any problems, and pretty soon you're going to get mad, and you'll probably walk away. But listen, problems will always be part of your life's journey. But look at what Jesus also said in that verse. Not only did he say, you will have trouble, he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, yep, you're going to have problems and they're going to come. But instead of, them, of looking at them at your, through your limited human perspective, instead of being overwhelmed and afraid and anxious and defeated and worried, remember, I have already overcome the world and any problem you may face. You remember last week we talked about Jesus, the high priest who can empathize? the one who suffered an excruciating death, who was rejected. He has faced all the things, and he understands better than anybody. Listen, the goal in life should not to be to try to avoid problems. Our goal should be to reframe our problems, to see them through God's perspective. Seeing things from God's perspective will pull us above the fog. It'll help you to realize that you're not alone, that God is with you in the midst of your problem, and that there's always a way through, always a plan. So the first step to seeing from God's perspective is to see my problems as part of life's journey. The second step is to see my problems as partially incomprehensible. See my problems as partially incomprehensible. When we were pastoring in... uh, Mary in Ohio, we were there for 12 years. We had a lady in our church, Miss Lil, and she was a special education teacher at the middle school. So the dreaded time each year of state testing would come. It was over several days, and she would get several of the volunteers, several of us from the church to volunteer, to either be readers or scribes. So some kids could read the test fine, but they couldn't write, so we would write down their answers, and some of the kids with special needs couldn't uh, read, so we would have to read the questions to them, and they would write it down. Well, my student uh, was really quite brilliant. I mean, he was doing English, and he would be telling me capital T, and he would say period at the end, and he, he was smart. So we're going away, and then we got to math, and we're going away, working away, but all of a sudden there was some question about stem and leaves, something. And I'm like, stem and leaves? I didn't even know that was in math. And the little boy looks at me and says, do you even know how to do this? And I said, well, even if I did, I couldn't tell you. You're right, I couldn't help you. And then I always had the joy of trying to help Emily with her elementary math. Now, I was preparing for the sermon. I couldn't, looking back, I'm like, Why so many nights was I at the table doing math when Christy went to school to be the secondary math educator? educator. But for some reason, me and Emily would be sitting there trying to do math, and I'm thinking, math has been around forever, right? Nothing changes. It's got to be the same. Anyone here have students that do that new math? And whoo, listen. So I'm sitting there trying to convince Emily. It would take her so long. She's using a calculator, and we taking so long to do the simple things. And I'm like, listen, back in the old days, we had to learn our times tables and our division tables and subtraction and addition. And I remember fifth grade, subtraction and division timed tables. We would go in at the beginning of the year, and every day we went to math class, you sat in there, and you had like that three-minute test with a full page, and you were frantic. 
And man, if you got too many wrong, you had to keep taking the test. You couldn't go out for recess. It was nerve-wracking. But the teacher was like, you're going to learn these, and you're going to know them. And I was trying to convince Emily that that would be great, too. But no dice, because that's not how they teach math anymore. Some kind of circular, we'll get back to it later thing. I don't understand. Back in the old days, I thought that 7 plus 3 equaled 10, but... Emily and I were doing math. She said, no, Dad, that's not right. 7 plus 3 equals 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 1 equals 10. What in the world? And then when we did our nines, you know, multiplication, they do these things with their fingers, right? So 1 times 9 equals 9. 2 times 9 equals 10 plus 8, which is 18. 3 times 9 equals 27. Three, three times nine equals 27, yep. Four times nine equals 36. Four times nine, five times nine equals 40. You get it. So it's so confusing, and, and, but, but Jordan and Emily both knew it. They'd be going, sign language. I didn't know it was in math. And so I would get so frustrated because I would say, well, Emily, what's nine times this? She'd go. One, two, three, four. Let's just learn the times tables. Listen, I may have a college degree, but my kid's math is partially incomprehensible to me. And that's just the iceberg. You don't know the days I had to reread the whole chapter and still didn't understand what they were asking. It can drive you crazy trying to figure out something that you can't fully understand. And you know what? We do the same thing in life. Here's a hard truth that we need to understand this morning. You and I may never comprehend the why behind the problems we face. God says there are some things that are just too big for us to understand. Isaiah 58, or 55.8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't fully understand what's going on, but you can be sure that God is always at work to bring about good from the problems we're going through. Seeing things from God's perspective begins by simply acknowledging to him that God, you can see further than I can see. And God, you know more than I know. You may never understand the why behind the problems that you face while you're here on earth, but one day we're going to stand in God's presence in heaven and scripture tells us that we'll be able to see perfectly. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I, am, I know in part but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You know, in life, we experience that, and we understand that. All that we know now just seems like it's just partial. We just have partial answers, and it's incomplete. But then we will know everything completely, just as God knows us right now, completely. So if you want to rise above the fog in your problems, and you want to see things from God's perspective, You're going to see problems as part of life's journey. 
you're going to see your problems are partially uh, incomprehensible. And the third thing is, see my problems as a plan for positive change. Now, I don't want to be Mr. Positivity because I'm not that guy. Let's be real, okay? But I do know when Scripture says, I have plans for you, I have a hope and a future, it is positive, right? I'm not just trying to pump you up. I'm trying to base it on truth this morning. And you're thinking, are you telling me that my problems are a good thing, and that they're a positive thing? No, I'm not telling you that this morning, because the truth is a lot of our problems are bad. Cancer is bad. Losing a loved one's bad, and I failed to mention before the service, but um, Robert McKinney lost his mother yesterday. She passed away, and so you want to pray for the McKinneys. Losing those we love is bad. A broken heart is bad. Abuse is bad. When a parent abandons the family and their children, that's bad. Financial crisis is bad. Giving up a dream is bad. Failing out of school, students, that'd be bad, right? There's a lot of bad things, but listen, God specializes in bringing good out of the bad things in our life. He specializes in taking a negative problem and leading you to a positive change in your life. And he wants to do that. But as I've been sharing in this whole thing, you've got to learn to trust him. God can and he will use just about anything that happens in your life to bring about a positive change but you may not be able to see that right now. You can't see the positive path through your problem because remember, you're in a fog. All you see is the problem, and the problem is obscuring the path to a positive change. You can't see the path, but again, it's okay because God can see the path. He knows right where it's at, and he knows right where you need to go. You just need to trust him. So whenever you face a problem, we're going to learn over these next few weeks, you need to be strong and courageous. You need to uh, learn to choose to overcome fear and trust God to bring you through. But listen, sometimes we get sidetracked. We get derailed. Satan comes along and he convinces us because maybe we sin, maybe we fall, we fail, we hit the wall, and we think it's the end. And he loves to convince us of that. We feel like losers, and we begin to think that God thinks we're losers. That's not true. We can't even comprehend the love and concern God has for his children. Satan just loves to put those things in our mind. It's possible this morning that God has allowed you to get to the point that that you are in your life, to hit rock bottom, so that you will finally look to him and stop in all of your striving and trying to handle all these problems and issues in your life all alone and finally get to the point where you really, really learn to trust him. You have to learn to trust God and you have to believe that he's leading you down a path towards positive change. Now we sang a new song this morning and it said, he is for me, he is for me. He is for, there's a lot of repeating in that song, wasn't it? He is for me. But listen, sometimes we need to hear something a hundred times. Some of you, not me, oh no, some of us have thick skulls. We don't get it. Some of us have stubborn hearts. Amen. I saw that, Michelle. Amen. Listen, what will it take 
in our lives to realize that he is for us. What has God got to do in your life? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This verse simply says that God causes everything to work together for good. He'll take the problems and he'll work it for good in your life. But look at the last part of that verse. It says, God works for the good of those who what? What? Love him. He didn't say he'd work it out for good for everyone just because he's a nice guy. He says, I'll work out all things for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. If you love Jesus, if you're following him, if you will trust him with your problems, he will take whatever is bad and help you bring something, help bring something positive out of it. I want to suggest to you this morning that one of the positive changes that God might want to bring into your life through your problems is godly people. Do you have godly people in your life right now? God never intended for you to do life on your own. He never intended for you to carry problems all by yourself. And listen, from God's perspective, your problems can be positive if they lead you to the right people coming into your life. For many of us, when problems come, we like to keep people at arm's length, right? We can handle our problems ourselves. You don't need to know my business. We don't think we need anyone's help, but be careful because that's called pride. And pride will keep you in the fog, and it'll keep people at arm's length. For some of you, the issue isn't pride, it's shame. You don't want anyone to know about your problems because you're ashamed that you even have problems. Aren't you supposed to live a facade of a perfect life, right? I don't have problems. You're afraid of what others might think. But listen to me. Pride and shame are the two emotions that will always keep you lost. She's fine. Emma, you're great this morning. Two emotions that will always keep you lost in the fog. They'll keep people at a distance, but listen, they're going to keep you from finding God's perspective. We need godly people in our life when we're lost in the fog to help us see the things that we can't see on our own, to help us to remember that God has a way through. In Galatians 6-2 this morning, Scripture says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. <clears throat> this is one reason why God gives us the church. So that when we face our problems, we have other people in our life to help us share the burden. And in turn, Scripture teaches us it's so that we can help others and help them share their burdens and the, when they're going through issues and troubles in their life. Listen, maybe... God's perspective is to use whatever your problem that you're going through right now to help bring godly people into your life. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And look at that. So that we can comfort those 
and any troubles with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God is calling us, church, to carry each other's burdens and to comfort others. So rising above the fog and being able to see in God's perspective, I got to see my problems as part of life's journey. I got to see them as partially incomprehensible. I've got to see that problems are, are, are a plan for positive change. But here's the last step. I've got to see my problems as a process for spiritual growth. Now, this is perhaps the most important and the most misunderstood part of seeing from God's perspective. Your problems can become part of God's plan for your spiritual growth, to grow your faith, and listen, to make you more like Jesus. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. All right, hold on a minute. How many of you, when problems come your way, you see it as an opportunity for pure joy? Whoopee! Right? That seems like an odd perspective to have, right? But look at what James says the reason is. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And if you look at that passage, it like produces perseverance and perseverance produces this and it produces this. And all those things make us more like Jesus. God uses your problems, every one of them, to make you more like Jesus. So if you want to look at your problems from God's perspective, you need to stop looking at them as just problems. But you need to see them as opportunities to start trusting God, to develop your character, and ultimately become more like Jesus. I'll be the first one to admit, this whole growth plan, it's, it's like having uh, muscles. You know, you, you're supposed to exercise, you're supposed to work out, or it just all goes flabby, right? How many of you like to exercise? I didn't want to ask. Oh, good for you, good for you as I feel convicted. Um, The thing is, God wants us to grow and be strong. So he's like, if you're not going to get off the couch, I'll just help you. He's got a growth plan for you, whether you like it or not. He's going to cause you to have to use your spiritual muscles. He wants you to grow stronger. But I'm going to be the first to admit, it is not easy. And it is not fun. But I will say this. I know this morning that God cares about our problems. You see, from God's perspective, there's something far greater that's at work in us. There's something bigger going on in us that we can't see when we're in the fog. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, Paul again says, for our light and momentary troubles. What Paul was saying, he says, look, from God's perspective, whatever it is you're going through now, From an eternal perspective, what you're going through is pretty itty-bitty. And it's not going to last forever. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So listen, we can't get fixated on the problems that we see now right in front of us. We need to look to Jesus and what's eternal 
So when you're in the fog, it's really hard. I'm telling you because I live there. It's really hard to see past your problems. It's really hard to see past the present. But God is playing the long game here. If you really want to see your problems through God's perspective, you've got to realize that he's preparing you for eternity in heaven where he promises there will be no more problems, no more tears, no more sadness, no more pain. If you could see right now what God sees about your future, you wouldn't have fear. You'd have greater faith. And if you could see right now what God sees about your future, you wouldn't be filled with panic, but you would be filled with peace. Today's key in handling life's problems is to see your problems from God's perspective. Because listen, God's perspective is higher and it's clearer. You're in the fog. He is not. We need his help. Listen, I know that the problems that you're facing, whether you're online with us today or you're here in the sanctuary, are hard. And as your pastor, this is new to me. Right? I've only been your senior pastor for a while. When you're the assistant children, youth, whatever guy, you don't have to worry about all the troubles in the world. That's the senior pastor's job, and I just buy candy and feed it to children and tell them about Jesus. One day this week, I'd gotten up, and before I could even get in the shower that morning, I spent about 45 minutes on the phone with different people, someone in a health crisis that they weren't sure that they were going to make it. Someone in a financial crisis and their life was falling apart. I don't even remember all of the things that morning, but there were so many calls. When I finally did get to the shower, I cried out to God for the sheep of this pasture. Because one thing Jesus taught me early on when I accepted my call to ministry is I could love him and I could love people. And people hurt. And I didn't know what else to do, but I just said, God, we need your help. And that person that was in a health crisis is coming home today. And that person who was having a money crisis forgot about an investment that she had, and God answered a prayer. I know the problems you face feel overwhelming, that you may feel discouraged and beaten down, and you might not even know what to do about the situation in your life. The answer today is not for you to try to figure it all out and carry it by yourself. And the answer is not just to um, grin and bear it and push through. But the answer this morning is to bring your problem to Jesus and ask him to help to see things from his perspective. Lay your burden, your problem, down at the feet of Jesus and learn today, just commit yourself fresh and anew I'm going to trust you, Lord. Jesus' words are recorded in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I know you're weary. You're carrying so much, and you're so weary, and you're so confused, and you're in the fog. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads together as we close this morning. Maybe right now you're in the middle of the fog, the fog of your problems. And the problems that you're facing, they're overwhelming and you're stressed out. Maybe you're on the verge of freaking out. You just can't see ahead. You can't see the path for a better future. 
Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, you know our hearts. You see how we struggle when life is incomplete. And this whole series is about learning to trust and take your hand. God, I pray that you'll help us to see from your perspective to lift us above the fog so that we can see clearly that you want what's best for us. You are for us. You are for us. You are for us. And God, there are many today who are carrying such heavy burdens, a heavy load, and a lot of weight. As you sit there this morning and we're praying together, would you just take that problem right where you are, whether you're in the sanctuary or you're home online, in your heart and in your mind, would you lay that problem at the feet of Jesus? Would you admit to him that Jesus... I know you can see further than I can see. I know that you can carry more than I can carry, and I'm giving you my problem this morning. Jesus, this morning, take our fear and give us faith. Take our panic and give us peace. Father, I want to thank you that even when we can't see clearly in the fog, you can. You've got us this morning. You hold us in the palm of your hand. Help us with our problems. We just trust you. God, continue to lead us and teach us how to trust you each day. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And everyone said, amen. Good to have you in church today. I'm going to ask you to just stay seated. And the um, ushers were going to come in, and they're going to dismiss you from the back. Some of you, this is your first appearance at Pickens View since the quarantine. And have guests this morning. Uh, we're good to have you. Be blessed in the Lord this weekend.